Think different, live different. This is really the second half of the teaching that we started last week. As mentioned last time, Romans chapter 12 begins a new major section in the letter of Romans. And in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul talks about the theology of God providing salvation for us through Jesus Christ. And in the remainder of the letter, he talks in large part about how we are to live as a person who has received salvation through Jesus Christ. We looked at the first eight verses of Romans 12 last time in which Paul, he tells us that in response to the incredible mercy that we have received from God through our salvation, we should live our life now as a living sacrifice offered to him in gratitude and worship and be transformed, taking on the likeness of Jesus in how we think and how we behave. Paul then, he talked about how we are to think about ourselves in relationship to others in the church, in the body of Christ. We belong to each other, and we should serve one another. Well, now in the rest of Romans chapter 12, in rapid-fire succession, he lists a number of things to do with how we are to behave and treat others, both those within the church and those outside of the church. These are all elements of the character of a follower of Jesus. We are to think differently and live differently than the culture around us. We are citizens of a new kingdom which operates on different principles than this world. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Romans chapter 12, and we're picking up in verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. He begins, he says, Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. The word sincere, it means genuine, without hypocrisy. The the New Living Translation captures the idea really well when it, it translates it this way. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. We, we have all encountered people who come off as really syrupy, nice, with a big smile and a vigorous handshake, and the, there's the honey this and the darling that. They're putting out all of the signals of someone who really cares. But underneath, all of that sugar is poison. The kind of love that we're to have is not to be an act. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It's not manipulative. It's not self-promoting. It's to be honest and genuine. Next he says, hate what is evil Cling to what is good. The original Greek word translated into English as hate is a strong word. It means hate, abhor, detest. This is to be our attitude toward evil. We are to hate it, abhor it, detest it. The original Greek word translated into English as cling. Cling to what is good. It means to attach to it, to glue together. We are to attach... We are to attach ourselves to what is good. We are to glue ourselves to what is good. We are to latch on to what is good and right and just and pure with a bulldog grip and not let go. Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 10, he says, be devoted to one another in love. The Greek word translated as love is Philadelphia, which means brotherly love or sisterly love. Uh, For those of you who are part of the sisters, we are to be devoted to each other as brothers and sisters. It's part of the family of God. In 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. It says, Honor one another above yourselves. The ESV translates the Greek into English as outdo one another in showing honor. The New Living Translation translates it as take delight in honoring each other. Philippians 2.3 says, In humility, value others above yourselves. Treat one another as precious and of great worth, he tells us. Verse 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The New Living Translation translates this verse this way, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Whatever we're doing, especially when serving the Lord and His people, it should be done with our whole heart and our best effort. Colossians 3.22, Paul was writing there to the slaves within the church, those who had the least rights and the least esteem among all the peoples. And he said to them, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. How much more so all of us, no matter what station in life we have. Verse 12, he says, be joyful in hope. Our hope in what the Lord has waiting for us, it enables us to be joyful, even when our circumstances are hard if we will remember our hope. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always. Rejoicing is not something that we do when circumstances are awesome. Rather, we're told to rejoice in the Lord always. It's something that we can choose to do, even in the middle of awful stuff. We rejoice in the Lord and His promises, not in the circumstances necessarily. Our joy in the Lord is rooted in two very important truths. And we've talked about this before in the past. But those two important truths are, one is God is in control of all things. And second, God gives purpose to everything in our life. Knowing these two truths, it enables us to rejoice in all things. This leads to the next thing that we're told to do. Be patient in affliction. To be patient in affliction, it requires that we are trusting the Lord, believing that He is in control and is using the difficulties in our life for our ultimate good. Romans 8.28, we looked at that a few weeks ago. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Closely related 
verse that contains this same idea of trusting God in the midst of and through hard stuff in our life is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where Paul writes, Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And being patient in affliction are expressions of trust, are expressions of trusting in the Lord. It's easy for us to give him thanks for the easy, fun stuff. But to thank him for the difficult and painful stuff, it takes faith. Believing that he is accomplishing good, even in the bad. And there's going to be a time in our future when we're going to see the beautiful thing that God has done in us and for us. And we wait patiently for that. It tells us to be faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he writes, pray continually. Same idea, pray continually. We are to have an ever-present mindset of dependence on the Lord for all that we have and are being aware of his presence, seeking his will and his guidance through our life. Be faithful in prayer. Pray continually. And then verse 13, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. 1 John 2.16, John writes, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And then close related and connected to that is the next Command where he says, practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Hospitality, what, what is that? The Greek word for hospitality is the joining of, together of two root words that mean friend and stranger. The literal meaning of the Greek is love stranger. Hospitality means to be friendly and generous toward others, being willing to share what we have, caring for others. First Peter 4.9 Peter said, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Being hospitable to others is not always an easy or convenient thing to do. In fact, sometimes when hospitality is needed the most is when it's the most inconvenient and difficult for us to offer. Peter tells us to offer hospitality without grumbling, without complaining. Instead, we should offer our hospitality willingly and cheerfully. Verse 14, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We're reminded of what Jesus teaches us in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 43, when Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We are to bless and to pray for those who wrong us. Paul's going to hit on this same topic when we get down to verse 17, and we'll make other observations when we get there. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We learned last time in verse 5 of Romans 12 that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we're all members of the same body, and that each member belongs to all the others. And so when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. When one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices with it. 
Peter tells us in his letter to be sympathetic toward one another. Paul writes in Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens. We're connected together with one another as the body of Christ, and we're to live like it, caring for each other, encouraging each other, going through life with one another, sharing heartbreaks and victories with one another. We talked about this last time, so I don't want to belabor the the point here, but church is not something that we attend on a Sunday morning for an hour or so. Church is supposed to be us and the life that we live together. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. The word harmony, it brings to mind the image of people who are all singing together the same song, each having their particular part to sing. But they're blending their efforts together to make a single, beautiful, unified sound. Our lives together should be aiming to do the same thing. We we each have a particular part to play, but our various parts are to be given to the greater whole so that together a beautiful expression of Jesus Christ is produced. There shouldn't be divisions between us. We don't have to all be the same, but we need to be unified. We need to be in harmony with one another. It says, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Well, pride is the biggest destroyer of harmony, so it makes sense that it would be mentioned here and confronted immediately after we're encouraged to live in harmony with one another. Putting ourselves first, looking to our own interests before those of others, making sure we get our fair share, wanting to be the person who gets the attention, are all the kinds of attitudes that destroy harmony. It says, be willing to associate with people of low position. You know, the irony of that is is that we are all a person of low position to someone. We are all the gum on the bottom of somebody's shoe. Remembering that will go a long way in preventing us from looking down on others, won't it? It's helpful, too, for us to remember how precious Every person is to the Lord. As Horton says, a person's a person, no matter how small. Don't be conceited, it says. It's also, it can also be translated as, do not be wise in your own eyes. Bible scholar Leon Morris wrote, the person who is wise in his own eyes is rarely so in the eyes of others. Think about that. The person who is wise in his own eyes is rarely so in the eyes of others. Verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. The tit-for-tat retaliation and payback attitude that is common in our society is not the path we are to walk as followers of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
1 Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Firstly, it's important that we do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. But it's also important that we seek to do what is right in the eyes of others. People will sometimes say something like, you know, it doesn't matter what others think as long as I'm being faithful to the Lord. That's only half true. We should care what others think about how we're behaving. Have you noticed how some people who are not Christians seem to be experts on how Christians are to behave? And they are quick to point out when Christians fail to live up to those standards. It can be maddening to live under such hypocrisy and judgment. But this is part of our lot as followers of Jesus. We have Paul's own example of seeking to do what is right in the eyes of others. In 2 Corinthians 8.21, for example, he wrote, For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. People who are leaders in the church are to live lives above reproach, lives that are blameless, lives that are worthy of respect, that have a good reputation with outsiders. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us, live such good lives among the pagans or unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It matters what others think about us as followers of Jesus. We want to represent him well. We want to make the teachings about our God and Savior attractive to others by following those teachings, as it says in Titus 2.10. We're not going to please everyone, but we should seek to do what is right in the eyes of of others as much as it is possible for us to do. Just just to give you an example, standing up for holiness without showing kindness and compassion is not doing what is right in the eyes of everyone. I see people get up on their moral high horse and social media posts and things, and, and it just makes me cringe sometimes. Because it's not a good look. We can voice our point of view. That's one of the privileges that every person has been given in this country. But as followers of Jesus Christ, how, how, how we voice our opinion or point of view is important. We're to represent Jesus well before others. And you know, if we are too emotional and upset and ticked off in the moment, then it's best that we just keep quiet until we can. Verse 18 says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is a follow-up to the command to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. 
Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. It's not always possible to get along with everyone. But as far as it depends on us personally, we should try to live at peace with others. Remember Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We worship and follow a peacemaking God. He made peace with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're to be a peacemaking people. We should live the gospel in our relationships with others. Verse 19 and 20 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your neighbor, if you're on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Taking revenge is not something that the Lord has given us permission or authority to do. We're told to trust the Lord to take care of things. First, the Lord doesn't need our help. And second, as certain as we may be about the rightness of our cause, we may not be as right as we think we are. It's best for us to trust the Lord to make the determination about right and wrong and to trust Him to see that justice is done. Instead of seeking revenge, we're told to extend a caring hand to our enemy. Feed them if they're hungry. Give them something to drink if they're thirsty. Now, there's some disagreement among Bible scholars about the exact origin and the meaning of the phrase, in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. We know that it's a quotation from Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. The general idea seems to be that by extending kindness to the one who has wronged us, we might win them over. See the next verse where it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, this is the thrust of it. It's not, oh, I'm going to throw burning coals on his head. <laughs> no, that, that's clearly not the meaning. It was looked at as a blessing, as, as a good thing. We just are not clear on the cultural meaning that it had at the time. But we know that the flavor of this is that by extending kindness to the one who's wronged us, we might win them over. And so verse 21, he says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Responding to evil done to us with retaliation and revenge perpetuates the evil. Rather, we're counseled to overcome the evil through doing good. We're to seek to win our enemy over and make them a friend through kindness if possible. And so we've gotten to the end of this chapter. Romans 12, 2. Paul said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're to think differently. We're to live differently than the culture around us. We're citizens of a new kingdom, which operates on different principles than this world. Some of what we're told here certainly runs counter (laughs) to the way things are done in this world. But we're citizens of a different kingdom. We're called to follow his principles. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that we are citizens of your kingdom through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have rescued us and you have called us to be children of light. Lord, we ask for your enabling power to live as children of light. We ask for you to continue to renew our minds, to change the way we think, that we would think differently, Lord, and that we would live differently, that we would follow the pattern of Jesus Christ, not the pattern of the world that we live in. Lord, we thank you that we are your children. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.